Welcome to Just One More Story, a weekly podcast featuring unique and interesting stories that are inspired by true and personal events. Some are thinking, why should I listen to this podcast? Well, to be perfectly honest, who better to tell a story than the person that wrote it? And in this case, that writer is me, your host, George Walters. With that, let's get started. Hi folks, today I have another great story lined up for you. It's all about a part of my life growing up on a farm, a few things that I learned and did, along with how I coped with not always having what other kids had. It's a story that I am sure will bring back memories for a lot of people. Some won't identify in part, but that's okay. Just remember, as with all stories, if you look or listen deep enough, there's usually always something there that a person can identify with, or, hey, maybe even learn some. I hope you enjoy. Poor kids. Remembering back to when I was young, there were a lot of things and events that most children of the day have never seen, like going out picking berries on a warm summer's day. Now for most, that doesn't seem too exciting, but for Laura, the lady that raised me and myself, well, let me tell you that every time we headed out to the berry patch, it was an adventure. Thinking about them berries, there was this one field in particular that Laura and I went to. It was secluded and no one knew about it. Laura had always told me to keep it to ourselves as if folks around found its whereabouts, well, they would pick them all. I have to admit, that was one secret that I always kept. There is a secret to berry picking though, and Laura taught me well. For most, they just pick what they, what they can see, which is fine. But what lays underneath the leaves is what most berry pickers miss. As underneath is where the clusters of luscious berries grow the best, hidden away, just waiting for the most deserving person to find them. It sure was something for Laura and me to carry home a pailful each after a morning's picking. Sometimes it didn't come easy, though, as there were many times we braved thorns, mosquitoes, and even a pesky snake or two, and we had wounds to show for it. I could handle the thorns and skeeters, but them snakes sure gave me the willies. They still do today, too. I know they have a purpose in life, as all things do, but there was just no way I ever got to liking them. Anyways, moving on, around our old farmhouse, we also had a few northern spy apples. I have to say, they sure made some great pies, which everyone enjoyed. When them pies came out of the oven, it was a Bit of a race between Red's, Laura's husband, and myself to see who would get the first piece. I also remember that as soon as a touch of color showed itself on them apples that I was right there sampling a few. Laura always warned me that eating them green wouldn't mean a stomach ache come evening. She was right too as many a night I laid in agony waiting for my stomach to come to grips with things. They were tasty, but I'm not sure their sweetness was worth the pain. Another thing worth mentioning was that them apples were never sprayed with any chemicals. We ate them just the way nature meant us to eat them. Sure, every once in a while, a worm would show up in one or two, but when that happened, Laura would just cut it out and we ate the rest. My old dad always said that them worms knew which apples were the sweetest. It's true, too. Try it sometime. I remember one year... I gave the birds so much competition that they moved on elsewhere for looking for their worms. 
I also found that if a storm happened by, it usually brought down the real nice ones from up top, and when that happened, Laura and me got to collecting them by the bushel pole. Nothing went to waste, and I always figured I was lucky to have them apple trees for me to pick one in season at any given time. Another tasty treat that happened by throughout the days of fall was the black walnuts. Most folks don't even give them a passing look, but for Laura, Reg, and myself, well, let me tell you, that many a night we all sat around the old cook stove enjoying them while listening to Reg telling stories of his past. There wasn't many trees close to our home, but Reg owning over a hundred acres, half in bush, over time we got to know where they were located and hiding their treasures. Distance didn't bother me either, as with Jenny, my horse, just itching at any given time wanting to go for a ride, well, it was no bother at all getting to them. You, you could usually tell they were ready for harvest when they fell to the ground. When that happened, they would be gathered and brought, it, brought home by the bushelful. We then would take them upstairs in the barn and on the floor spread them out to dry. Once dried, we would then get busy hulling and cracking them. First the soft outer shell and then the hard inner shell. As each of the hard inner shell was cracked open, we would, dig, we would then dig out the meat from the crevices. It was a lot of work, but the reward you got for doing that work made it all worthwhile. Reg even made, I mean, should say, Laura even made a few pies out of them, something like the pecan pies, a specialty of the southern United States. I thought ours were even better, though. One thing worth mentioning, for weeks after we were done, we all had stained fingers, and when going out in public, folks used to look at us in an unpleasant way. Didn't bother us none, though. As well, there was nothing we could do about it other than wait till it wore off. Come winter, when snow arrived, away back from the barn was a long hill that ran from the highway down to our home, which we used for sledding. Some neighbor, some neighbor kids had sleighs and toboggans. For me, though, I had neither, as we just couldn't afford them. But I did have something that worked just as well. Good old cardboard. Laura always had a had, a, had on hand a few large boxes, and with just a bit of work, they could be torn open and, well, there was my sleigh. I have to say I had more fun riding down that hill on that cardboard than most kids did with their fancy sleigh and things. And another thing, it was nice and light to carry back up to the top. Now, sledding seems easy to most. Basically, you climb to the top of the hill, get on your sled, and away you go. But when I was young, I found that it was a there was a learning process to sledding. As simply put, you had to know how and when to either stop or fall off your sled at the bottom. If you didn't, the apple trees and fence at the end of your ride could cause some problems. I learned from that from experience. Come spring, there was lots to do as morels, a type of mushroom, made their appearance, and Laura and I couldn't wait to seek them out. Usually they hid themselves in the tall grass up on the knolls where the cattle had pastured the year before. Reg always said it was the fertilizer left from the cows that they liked so much and made them grow so well. Whatever the reason was, they sure were tasty. Laura knew how to fry them up just right using a touch of fresh cream and homemade butter. To me, at that time in life, there was nothing better than a plateful of them sitting on the table come supper time. On the way home from gathering the morales, 
Everywhere you looked, you could see wildflowers, hundreds of them all of all colors. Laura just had to have a bouquet or two for her kitchen table, which kept me busy picking them for her. She sure loved her wildflowers. Throughout the summer months, I made arrows from dry weeds for my homemade boa, which was made from a willow branch. There were many days I spent playing cowboys and Indians, me playing both characters, as we didn't have any kids close by. Other toys I made from old sticks, they didn't look like much, but with a little imagination, they could become whatever I wanted them to be. Yeah, it was a simpler time, not like today where kids sit in their living rooms with laptops, computers of all sizes, toys so shiny and bright they hurt their eyes. Expensive toys, too, costing hundreds of dollars sitting in front of them. And after a few hours, what do you hear? Mom, there's nothing to do. Back in my day, that would have been the worst thing I could have said, as Laura would have smiled and said, Is that right? I learned pretty quick back when to keep things to myself. You know, my way of thinking is, us poor kids growing up might not have had a lot of money or fancy gadgets. And yes, we had to occasionally wash our hair in cold water or bathe using water heated in pots on wood stoves. We also bought or traded for things that we needed, not what we wanted. We created our own toys and entertainment, and we fixed most things many times over, using anything and everything. Some have asked, how do some of us that were once poor and then later on in life become wealthy stay that way? Well, I can't speak for others, but for my wife and I, we made what money we did have work for us, meaning we put it into things that made us more money be it smart investments, land, or equipment that made our workload easier. Mostly I would say that my wife and I, two poor kids, made it on our own by learning to be self-sufficient and not rely overly on others. In doing so, what else can I say other than we have had a good life together, a hard one full of challenges every day. But it's what one ends up with that truly matters. And the last time I checked, we don't have any complaints, at least for now. That's it for today, folks. But before I go, I would like to mention that all my stories are also available in books. We have seven books to choose from, and each book has over 50 short stories. The titles of the books are One More Story, Moments in Time, Paths We Choose, Times Changing, Keep Turning Pages, Join Me in the Garden, and Nature's Gateway to Health. All of our books are available on Amazon.ca or Amazon.com, in ebooks or paperback. If you would like more information regarding my books or podcasts, you can email me at any time at stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll say that one more time, stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll get back to you. You can also listen to my podcasts on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, The Walters Post, and Google Home. Just say, hey Google, play Just One More Story by George Walters. And if you enjoy my podcast, share them with others or tell a friend. In doing so, it will help me make more podcasts for all to enjoy. And finally, I would like to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to tune in every Friday for a new episode of just one more story by George Walters.